Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 450. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Read our stories at slowflowersjournal.com. Our first sponsor thanks goes to Mayash Wholesale Florist. Family owned since 1978, Mayash is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. And we're thrilled to partner with Mayash to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayash.com. Our featured guest this week is florist farmer Emily Watson, who appeared on the Slow Flowers podcast in 2015. I'm delighted that she has agreed to return and share an update about her business, Wood Violet, based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You'll want to go back and listen to that earlier episode, and I've shared a link in today's show notes for episode 450 at DebraPrinzing.com. But first, our bonus series here on the Slow Flowers podcast continues with our next installment of Stories of Resilience. I believe that now more than ever, the message of sustainability and seasonal and locally available flowers is top of mind among consumers, flower farmers, and florists. I want the Slow Flowers podcast to be a companion to those of you in isolation, away from your physical community of peers, neighbors, customers, and friends. I don't have many answers, but I do want to keep the lines of communication open and accessible. Today's Stories of Resilience guest is Janice Harris of Harris Flower Farm in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada. She is also Canada's Regional Director for the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. I've been so intrigued by Janice's posts on social media promoting local flowers to her community. For the past month, Harris Flower Farm has been marketing no-contact flowers thanks entirely to Janice's creative efforts. It started on March 21st when she posted this message on Instagram. Fresh, locally grown spring cheer-up bouquets. Three local flower farming families are coming together to bring you some cheer. Janice directed buyers to visit the online shop on Harris Flower Farm's website to make their purchase of a $10 seasonal bouquet. Well, that project has literally blown up and taken over Janice's life. More farms joined in, so her marketing efforts are bringing additional revenue to fellow growers. Eager customers continue to order for the weekly bouquet deliveries, paying online and leaving a vase or bucket filled with water on their front porch for that delivery. Janice finds herself operating a floral business unlike anything she's ever done before, delivering more than 100 bouquets in a single day and offering two days of delivery each week. Since the season is early and area farmers markets may or may not be able to open during Canada's stay-at-home mandate, this project has clearly resonated with customers and flower lovers in her community. 
On March 24th, Janice posted this update on the farm's Instagram feed. This past week has been crazy humbling, but also figuring out our new norm of delivering flowers has been a learning curve. So I need to pause the deliveries for a bit so I can wrap my head around how we can proceed with delivering flowers. I also have to still be a flower farmer. It is a critical time for planting and seeding. We're sticking to our original seeding schedule, so there will be lots of flowers this summer. It's still uncertain where and how we will sell them, but I have to keep planting, so there's a supply when we are on the other side of this. To our 2020 couples, please keep us in the loop. We will work with whatever changes arise. Remember, it's your relationship that is important and not the date. You still have each other. I will continue to show you what's happening on the farm. Flower farming doesn't stop. Stay healthy and be positive. Well, there's a lot more to learn, and I'll have links and photos about Harris Flower Farm in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. You can also find a link to my 2017 podcast interview with Janice and hear the full story of Harris Flower Farm there. Let's jump right in and welcome Janice. I know there are some great takeaways that will help and encourage you. Well, today I am so excited to be speaking with Janice Harris of Harris Flower Farm. And Janice is a return guest. Hi, Janice. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining me via Skype, like we're all doing these days. Yes. That's, I mean, it's great that we have this technology that we are able to connect. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we would have done if it was like we were in the Spanish flu time or something. And, I would be writing and you a <laughs> yeah, I'd be writing you a letter and hoping that the pony could get it to you in two months. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, Janice has agreed to uh, be uh, our special guest today in our Stories of Resilience series, but she's also wearing another hat, which is the Canadian Regional uh, Director for the ASCFG, the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. So uh, did I say that right, Janice? You're, is that the title? Yep. yep. I have the whole country. I represent <laughs> the entire country. That's a big region. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to express how appreciative I am for partnering with ASCFG and ASCFG's sponsorship of Slow Flowers content and uh, programs. It's uh, it's a really great partnership, and, and you know, there's so much to learn from the people who are leaders in ASCFG. So I, I I'm just glad that you're you're kind of bringing that point of view as well to this conversation. Yeah. Oh, so Janice, you are in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada. You're what zone is that? Um, we're like our hardiness zone is like six A. Um, we're right near the lake, so we do have um the lake effect mm. um that warms us up. If you're looking in Canada, like we're in southwestern Ontario, which is um like if you were to go straight across the lake from Cleveland, is where we are. Mm. Oh, that helps put it on a map for people who don't know their geography very well, like me. I'm so bad at U.S. <laughs> geography. So, <laughs> um, well, you, as I said, you've been on the podcast in the past, but it's been a number of years, and uh, I know everything's changed in the current climate. But just just to give everybody a snapshot of Harris Flower Farm, can you sort of describe mm-hmm. it, under normal circumstances what was your what was your scope of what has been your scope of um, what you grow and what your services are. Sure. So this is our um, 12th year growing flowers, um, but it's actually my second year full-time flower farming. I quit my off-farm job two years ago to be full-time flower farming. So um, going into our 12th season, um, we have been at our one local farmer's market since the beginning. Um, 
So we're going, returning, hopefully returning there. Wow. Um, and then um, we do a lot of weddings in our area. So we do um, mostly a la carte weddings. So it's like um, they're not big on-site installs or anything like that. And we're just um, doing the personals and the centerpieces and that kind of stuff. But we do a lot of weddings in our area. Um, we do, um, there's a couple of farm stand markets in the area that are like, like fruit and vegetable farm stands, um, that, that we wholesale our bouquets at. Um, there is another farmer's market in London, which is a bigger city just north of us. Um, we go there seasonally and we do some florist sales to a few, uh, florists in the area. Um, we also, um, do... As I'm listing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, we do so much stuff. I know, but, I'm kind um, of tired listening to you. <laughs> do you do? Do you have a CSA? Uh, uh, we do a bouquet subscription. Mm -hmm. um, so we have uh, 75 people in our bouquet subscription. So we do 25 um, bouquets uh, three weeks of the month, and there it's a monthly subscription. So they get six months of flowers. Um, and then um, we do some design workshops on our farm as well. We were lucky to build a workshop space that holds our walk-in cooler. And then we can also um, invite um, people to come to the farm and do uh, on-farm walk around the farm, pick flowers, make an arrangement, take it home with them. So, yeah, That's a we lot. do all that and, and three kids and, and my <laughs> husband and I and all that. So, yeah, we do a lot. It's crazy. It is a family enterprise. And um, I know you said your parents are nearby. So that that uh, yes. is at yep. least babysitting they're, support. <laughs> well, more than that, too. I mean, their their farm is one road north of us. Um, so we bought my grandparents farm 11 years ago. Um, they are my parents are one road north of us and we grow on their farm. They're um, semi retiring mm. vegetable farmers. Mm. And uh so now, I mean, mom does a lot of my seeding and a lot of my um, seed starting and greenhouse work. Um, we have the infrastructure of their farm with um, two heated greenhouses and other hoop spaces. So it's really like we're we're constantly at our farm and their farm. We grow on both farms. So wow. it's really all of us together wow. kind of at this. <laughs> wow. What a gift. That's amazing. Yeah. Jan, okay, Janice, we are in, I'm um, talking to you on April 14th, e Easter just happened, and we're kind yeah. of in this new era, and I really was fascinated to see um, some of the things that you were doing to, well, first of all, you've got all these flowers, what are you going to do with them, and um, give us sort of an explanation of like where, what, are you under a stay-at-home order in St. Thomas or yeah. in, the, in the province of Ontario, what's, what's the climate? Well, so like um, all of Canada is um, like essential businesses are the only ones that are to be open. And then um, so nobody is open to go into any stores. There is still um, online ordering and delivering. Um, and then also um, they I think last week they just got um, closed up like the, the curbside thing. So it's um, mm. mostly just delivering and essential businesses um, that are open. So most people are using that delivery option for like <clears throat> groceries or food from the restaurant or that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. like takeout food is um, delivery. I, or you might be able to pick up um, delivery. We haven't ordered anything in. I've been <laughs> cooking every night too. Of course you have. <laughs> so, um, so 
Yeah, you can go and get groceries at the grocery store. Um, they're like restricting how many people are allowed in the store sure. at a time. So there's lineups to get into the stores. Um, but it's mostly is a stay home unless you have to go somewhere. And if this was any other year, would you already be harvesting and selling flowers at the farmer's market or is it a little early? Um, our farmer's market um, opens Mother's Day weekend. Um, so in a few weeks is when it is supposed to open. Um, but we planned, um, because last year and this year, and I think a couple more years coming Easter and mother's day fall in tulip season mm -hmm. and our hoop, um, tulips have been going, um, since I think it was March 25th or 27th, something like that. They've been going for a couple weeks now. Um, so we ramped up and we planted more because last year we got blown away at Easter time, um, so ahead of our markets, we have always had, and I forgot to mention in our list of where we sell things, <laughs> um, we have a farm uh, flower cart at the end of our laneway. So it's a self-serve um, drive-by pickup um, option that we did last year for Easter. And like we were like filling it constantly. People were like lined up in the laneway trying getting the flowers. So wow. We planned that there was going to be a lot of demand for Easter, so we planted more tulips to be ready for that. Um, and they bloomed perfectly for Easter, just <laughs> as they were supposed to. Exactly. And then did, uh, okay, so the stand probably wouldn't be permitted because the pickup is kind of it, off the it charts, is, right? Uh, with farm and agriculture, it we could probably still put the cart at the end of the laneway, but I'm not encouraging anybody to leave their house. Like don't leave to come and pick up our flowers at the farm. Um, I don't want you on my farm and I don't want you leaving to come and get the flowers. So That's you're, perfect. you're kind of thinking about the health and safety of just your family, but also your customers, like that's just going to add another right. set of exposure risk. Right. And I don't, I'm not sure, like the flower cart would be really hard to manage with online orders and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to be accepting cash right. in the flower cart. Um, so it, I think it would be more hassle to try and manage um, an online pickup of the flower cart at the end of the anyway. I think mostly because people are used to our flower cart being self-serve pickup, don't have to order it. So I think if they can't, saw it out there and stopped by and then they're like, wait a minute, why can't I buy any of these? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, might be hard it would just kind of lead to more frustration probably. Right, so, right. I think so. Yeah, so I don't know, like a month ago when, when this sort of became a reality of, of <clears throat> the fact that the coronavirus was going to alter business as usual. Did you just go run through a bunch of options for what to do with these tulips that are exploding in your greenhouses? Like, what was your thought process? Yeah, well, yeah, we knew that, like, okay, we, um, the flower, the tulips are going to be blooming, and um, I know the input costs that I've put into them, and um, we, I saw what was happening with the flower auction in Toronto, um, where like bigger growers than me and growers who only sell at the wholesale market were going, getting orders canceled and things were happening. And I was, I saw that happening. So I wanted to 
help as much as I could, even though, I mean, I can't fund the flower industry. <laughs> right. Uh, <I laughs> One step at a time. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to help um, these other growers that I knew and um, also work with the flowers of mine. Like I had my own flowers going. So I thought, okay, if we work together to get these flowers out, the first time I posted it, I, I was like, oh my gosh, this sold out so quickly. How did this happen? And so then I kept thinking, okay, how can I do this? And my whole thinking this whole way along is I'm not trying to like take over the flower world. I'm not trying to um, make millions. I just want to make sure that our flowers are getting out. And if I can help other growers get their flowers out to these people who want the flowers, then I'm going to do it as safely as I can and as like responsibly as I can. So you, um, I didn't realize that. So you're um, creating a way to, a, an online channel to sell f flowers to basically your followers and customers who already know about Harris Flower Farm, I'm sure. Yeah, which has been so humbling. I mean, seeing the orders come through, I, I see the names and I know the people. It's mm. not like these are just like random names. I know these people and I'm just amazed with their support and their backing of us and helping us like a lot of like the deliveries. So the first time I did deliveries, I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to do deliveries. It'll be fine. Well, I sold those orders and then it was 10 and a half hours of delivering. Wow. And was this like three, was, like three weeks ago or so? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do this. I, wow. This is crazy. Um, so then I decided, okay, so if we put it out there, I'm going to do St. Thomas and a couple other little towns in the area on one day. And I'm going to do London and a couple other little towns on the other day. So, so I wasn't 10 hours of delivery because I still have to farm. I'm still, I'm still a flower farmer. I still right. got to do that part. Right. This is like another um, job on your resume that you never had before. Uh, exactly. Just... As well as online sales and <laughs> um, delivery logistics. and. Oh, Janice. So you, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining about this at all. And that's yeah. the hard thing is like, I'm, I'm totally like honored by the, what the people are doing for me, but it also has made me realize that of say, if I put 150 bouquets on my website, a hundred of them are within 20 minutes of my house. Wow. Like a hundred of them are going to people in St. Thomas, which is not any different than we would have at a farmer's market at our farmer's market. I would take 150 bouquets to the farmer's market in St. Thomas and sell them all. So that's why it's not like I'm looking at this as it's not really different. It's just, I'm still selling my flowers and getting them out. I just have to get them to people instead. I mean, it's a logistical like brain pain. I could just thinking about mm. how you're doing this. So you post on online on your online shop. And can I just read this to people what you have on here? It kind of blew my mind. <laughs> this is kind of, I've I had like edited it because of like <laughs> things that have happened. <laughs> Spring cheer up bouquet, $10. And then you say, and you've got a beautiful photo of um, beautiful, fresh, plump uh, tulips and ranunculus. And I think yeah. maybe Narcissus. And then you say, um, Help, help local flower farming families who are working together to bring you cheer, a bouquet made up of locally grown in-season flowers, cheerful, complimentary color mix. And then you talk about the availability. You ask people to put a bucket or a vase with water out for delivery. So just like on their front porch. Right. 
And then you say, we are a, are a one-person delivery team. We can only deliver to these locations. And, mm-hmm. you know, then you apologize in advance if you can't, uh, if they don't live in that location. And and it looks like you're just, like, getting people clicking every week to order. And, um, you know, that's a great price, Janice. I mean, I'm just, that's what I was marveling at before we started recording. Like, how are you making well, any money on this? Well, the the thing too, like, I mean, I've always, and this goes back to like my parents and with their, my parents had organic vegetables and their thing was always, um, their slogan for the business was affordable organics for families. Wow. So it, I don't want to be elitist. I don't want to be, I don't want someone to be deciding on, should I buy groceries this week or should I buy flowers? I mean, even it's not that like our market bouquets for the summertime are always $15 and they have been that for probably three or four years. They've been $15. So it's not that much different um, than normal. Um, I'm still like, even if it is a, like people don't get to choose what bouquet they're getting. So they might get a bunch of all tulips and a bunch of 10 stems of tulips for $10 at a dollar a stem is still Okay. Like, right. I mean. Right. Um, no, I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate that you're supporting fellow farmers who maybe don't have that retail channel that you do. Right. Um, so you're some, the, some of the things that you're buying from other farms to what augment your product. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's the whole thing along the way is that like, I mean, I want to support with other families and I want, I want to bring, and I've also like realized how, it is so important to have that connection with your customers. Like the ones who are wholesale people, they just sell to the market. They never see the end person. Whereas I have that connection with the end person and the families that I went to, I think I went to four um, other growers and I've been to four other growers. One of the first things I asked them for was to send me a family picture. Mm. So I posted that on our social media so people can see that we are families too. We're not, it's not this huge corporation. It's not whatever. I mean, they sell thousands and hundreds of thousands of stems, some of them, but they are still a family and is still, a. they still like all of them posted pictures with their kids. So mm-hmm. they're all young people with kids, with families. So we are all just trying to be farmers, which is what we want to do. And we want to be able to sell our flowers to continue to be in business for the next years. See, I think that's so so authentic, and that message it com- is conveyed so personally. And you're vulnerable when you put the, put it out there, but your yeah. customers are probably so encouraged to see that they their purchase can help you know keep agriculture going in you yeah. know their corner of Ontario. And and yeah. there's a human there's a human behind that bouquet, and I think that's really special. Yeah. For people, I'm trying to do. <laughs> for people who are listening to this, uh, I think probably this situation could be replicated anywhere in North America. I mean, I know that every, at least in the U.S., every state has got a different set of rules. It sounds like mm. Canada is a little bit more uh, consistent in their policy making. But um, what uh, yeah. what advice would you give people for how you're handling the deliveries? Because that, I think that's the that's probably the connection point yeah. that's the most risky, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, as I'm talking about this and telling you about this, I'm not advocating for this. I mean, I'm I'm not telling people to do this or anything like that. <laughs> right. I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal either saying, look at what I can do. Um, but like with the deliveries, I mean, the online shop, we already had an online shop. It wasn't, it wasn't selling daily. It wasn't selling, like I posted it on there to sell our subscriptions and different things like that. And I usually had like, birthday arrangements or something mm. like that on the mm-hmm. website but um we had that in place so it definitely just kind of increased from what it did before um so then with the challenges with it when they come in then I have to print all of these orders and then divide them up into the areas and then um we have downloaded a really great um route like figuring out app I don't mm. know what else to call it but like a route planning app mm. um it's called circuit okay Um, cool so So what you just put the addresses in it and then it plans your drive wow yep yep it tells me how long it's going to be how many kilometers it is and then um when i'm out in the van i go tell what address i need to go to and then when i get there i click done and then it tells me where to go to the next one the coolest thing is when it's like this is like three doors down or whatever. Like like I'm delivering on the same street, which is really cool. Yeah. Handy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then you're, uh, you're, uh, you have all the bouquets in like buckets in your van and then you just pull it out and go put it on the porch. Right. I put it on the porch. Um, hopefully they have their, um, vase out or bucket out and they've been really great about that, which is awesome. Um, so then if they don't, I have some grocery bags in the van with me that I put, um, the bouquet in and then I, on their order, they give me a phone number that I can either text or call. Um, and then I tell them that it's there and then I leave. So I don't make any contact with them. And like, I, everyone always says to me, oh, well, you could hire somebody to do that. Or people volunteer say, I'm not doing anything. I'll go and deliver for you, but I want to make sure that I can keep my family, but then also my customers. And also if someone was out delivering for me, I want to make sure that they are safe as well. So that's why I'm taking that even more on my shoulders to do myself. Um, Because then I can like, honestly say to myself at the end of the day, you know what, what did I touch today outside of my van? And I can say nothing. I touched (laughs) nothing outside of my van today, not even a bathroom, (laughs) which is why I put in the app, I put my address back into it so I can loop around to come home to go to bed. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's not there's not restaurants. So honestly, like you can't go restaurants right? Yeah. So anyway, I feel for truckers, and I never want to be a pure later driver. Though. <laughs> you obviously need to have your own film crew following you around on a reality show. Oh, oh gosh, I'm uh, sure it would be interesting. <laughs> well, so we we just had Easter week. Did you? Yeah. Uh, see an increase in in demand i'm i'm kind of thinking you see, probably did. I, I put a cap on it too like i knew how much i was going to be able to produce with my flowers and the flowers that i was getting from the other growers so i didn't it, it wasn't unlimited i mean i put on the website how much how many i could in reality deliver mm-hmm. um in the two days so i delivered on thursday and um saturday Last week, um, I think it was 205 bouquets um, that got sold. Um, So there was, and that was like, I delivered five and a bit hours on Thursday and about the same on uh, Saturday. So again, it's 10 hours. It's not, this isn't easy money. It's Mm -hmm. not like I'm just like sitting here 
collecting all this money or anything. I'm working my butt off for it. Yeah, I feel like at the very best, you're breaking even and covering the cost of all the bulbs you bought last fall. Yeah. But there's something to be said for just uh, giving those flowers a home at cost rather than, you know, dumping them in the compost pile, which would just be crushing. Wow. So what do you anticipate for the rest of the spring? Do you think that sort of this is maybe your new reality through uh, They just announced yesterday that um, they're doing another 28 days of like stay home order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that takes Mother's Day. So I am terrified of Mother's Day right now. Um, I think that I, Mar- I think Mark better be your backup driver, right? He is. Yes. I've already, I've already uh, <laughs> definitely, uh, briefed him on that (laughs) you're like Uh, honey guess what (laughs) yeah yeah and he has helped like there has been a couple times where it's like you know what that one is like 20 minutes out of your way which we've like nipped that one uh, since Mm -hmm. but like that one is a bit out of your way why don't I go deliver that which is great I love him he is he's definitely a big help he's been laid off so he's home um and a new flower farmer that's his new title as well um but (laughs) <laughs> I have a friend who's a photographer and her husband got laid off and she's teaching him how to, to do real, real estate photography. Like, yeah. hey, hey, let's, let's learn a new skill. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's always been involved. He's always been part of it. He didn't worked off the farm. Um, but I mean, when he gets home from work in the summertime, he picks sunflowers until dark and he's yeah. our face at the market in St. Thomas. So it's not new for him. It's just new that he has to do it all day. Right. Oh, Janice, what an ordeal. I'm, I'm, I know that we talked earlier before we started recording that like everybody has to sort of make their own personal choice about what their level of interaction with the public is, what their level of, you know, marketing is. And, um, I feel like you're doing, I think where they want to be seen after this too. Mm. I mean, I feel like I can do this with integrity. Like I feel like what I am doing is, not different than I would normally do. Like it's not, it's not like I'm ramping up and doing tons and tons of sales. I am still keeping it authentic to me, I think, and to our family. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be able to have it out at the flower cart for sure. Um, and so that I don't have to deliver it, but I just want, I want to respect what our government and people are telling us. I don't want to bring people out um, to come yeah no I think I mean it sounds like this is something that at least for the next month this will be uh it will continue as new crops come on and um you are so community-based that uh it's not like you're trying to develop new markets you're just serving your existing market right and that's the same with like the the florists and that like I'm getting tons of calls from florists that are looking for flowers and it's like Right now I'm supplying two, which are not new accounts for me. They're not new people. They are people that I've worked with in the past. Um, the one that I worked with um, in the last couple of weeks, they have a delivery company as part of their flower business. So they like, we're not doing it totally together because we still have to keep it separate and all that kind of stuff. But her husband has been helping out and going and picking up the flowers from the other growers in their big transit van Mm, so mm -hmm. we're working together on that and both like 
supporting each other, but it's not like I know that she's going to be there after this. I know she isn't like I kind of have like my hurricane and pandemic file um, of Morris uh, <laughs> because I know that the I know when I see them calling, it's like you only call me when there's a hurricane or now when there's a pandemic. Oh, like, I see. Because otherwise, they'd just be going to the auction. Right. Yeah. Right. But so, yeah, at least at least they call you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I want to keep it close. And like our, um, there's one of the farm stand markets that's like a, a little grocery store. Um, they blew me away this year on how many, um, like pussy willows. They were taking pussy willows way earlier than I would normally be selling stuff, but they wanted them. They were able to sell them. So we were selling them there. And then it's also translated into tulips. So they're taking lots of tulips there. Um, so it's a lot of community and I'm finding that the biggest thing is like, it's really a community thing. We are working together to keep all of us afloat kind of. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing this. It's just, uh, yeah. it, it, I, I will share a link to your website so people can kind of see how you have it set up. But I think your Instagram mm -hmm. feed has some of the real behind the scenes photos. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> reveal Janice yeah. on the road. I will have to have you make a, a like a mixtape playlist so we can hear the music you're listening to when you're driving around. No, I can't because I have to listen to where the thing's telling me to go. Oh, shoot. Oh, you and the, you are uh, intimate with the voice of that app. It sounds like I am. And then she tells me I'm going the wrong way. And then, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, that's so stressful. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, I will, I, I wish you really well and I appreciate you sharing your thought process. And I think, it, you know, it, it, I know it will encourage other people who are kind of in the throes of figuring out what to do with their flowers and their community. And, um, you know, yeah, and I think too, to remind people is like, this doesn't like, you don't have to stop farming. Like there's nothing to stop you from putting flowers in the ground. I mean, our seeding schedule has not changed from a month ago or two months ago to now. We're Good. still planting just as much as we normally would. And because of all of the weddings and different things rescheduling, we have to think about the other side of this. Like if I was just totally shut down, there would be nothing on the other side of this. And I have to be optimistic about the other side that there will be something and there's right. going to be lots of flowers I'm going to probably be putting lots of kilometers on the van, but that's that's how we're going to to keep going as best as we can. That's a really good point. So mid mid to late summer into fall, the demand will have been so pent up that I, I think you are onto something there that the farmers better be ready to, to right. fulfill There's, and that. You can't you can't miss the schedule. You can't um, like if we don't plant sweet peas or whatever, we miss that opportunity. If we don't plant lisianthus when we need to, we miss that opportunity. So, right, right. you miss I mean, the whole year. Right. And I, I mean, I don't want to have 2020 as just like a, a write-off year. I want it to be that we were still going because, I mean, we have to still be going in a year from now when all of these weddings are rescheduling and all that. We have to still be in business. So we have to... I don't know. I think that's maybe like a, a farmer mindset and growing up like generations of farmers, just there's always next year. Like, I mean, there's always, you're going to keep going and you're going to keep pushing through and keep growing everything you can because no matter what, like things are going to happen again next year. And I mean, yeah. we'll, 
deal with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay, that's great advice and just a great reminder that um, we are going to get to the other side. And I, I look forward to hearing um, that at some point you can lay in a hammock and have lemonade. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. well, and that's the thing. I mean, we still, we're, we're still, and the, one of the biggest things that I am really like, I don't know, proud of and is what my, my nine-year-old said a week ago. He said, they should call this the happy virus because we're all together and we're all doing stuff together and we're having so much fun. So, I mean, <laughs> wow. That's what, that's what, what he's seeing. On what this, a, so. Yeah. What a, what a wonderful child. I love that. <laughs> it kind of puts everything into perspective. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Janice, thanks so much for, for sharing your story. I, I really appreciate it. And I wish I was uh, there to enjoy your flowers. I guess I'll just have to watch them on your social media feed. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to be able to see you in person again. Absolutely. Yes. Take care. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that Janice was able to share a moment of her time to record our Stories of Resilience segment for you. Best wishes to you, Janice and Mark. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. Okay, let's pivot to another inspiring conversation. It is wonderful to welcome Emily Watson back to the Slow Flowers podcast as our featured guest. Five years ago, when Emily joined me for an episode, the timing was auspicious. She was in the throes of pivoting from her small cut flower farm operation called Stems Cut Flowers to a wedding design studio, which she named after Wisconsin's state flower, the Wood Violet. After five years focusing entirely on designing for couples and ceremonies, the land is calling Emily back, and she's agreed to discuss her entrepreneurial thought process as her business is again responding to market opportunities. Here's a bit more about Emily, excerpted from her website. Emily is a farmer, florist, and small business owner who calls Milwaukee home. With an education in biological conservation and a background in both floral design and landscaping, she started Stems Cut Flowers in 2008. With a little land borrowed from her grandparents' farm in East Troy, Wisconsin, Emily envisioned that Stems Cut Flowers would sell to florists and at farmers' markets and maybe supply an occasional wedding. Well, the idea of occasional weddings turned into a nearly every weekend occurrence, and it soon became evident that Emily was running two separate businesses. That's when, in 2015, she officially established those two businesses and launched her floral design studio. Being that Wood Violet is Wisconsin State Flower, it seemed an appropriate name for a business that is focused on using locally grown blooms. Stems Cut Flowers continued to grow and mostly supply flowers to the Wood Violet studio. Well, visit DebraPrinzing.com to see photos of Emily and her flowers, including some of her 2019 weddings featuring Wisconsin-grown flowers from her farm and others' farms. I'll also have links to all of Emily's social places. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to welcome a return guest, Emily Watson, of two businesses, 
uh, wood violet and stems cut flowers in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, Emily. Hi, Deborah. Hey, we were just chatting before we started recording that you were on the podcast five years ago I, in March of 2015. I, I can't even believe it. That's just, it just shows what, what's, how busy we've both been that we haven't done anything since. I know, I know. Life is crazy. Ah, that's so great. Well, um, at the time when I had you on the podcast, I wanted I acknowledged that you were an early, early supporter of Slow Flowers. In fact, I went back and looked at my notes. When we launched slowflowers.com, the directory, which kind of was the only thing I was doing back then, uh, you donated to the Indiegogo campaign as like one of our first supporters. So I want to acknowledge oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being part of this uh, movement. But the thing is, you've been farming and growing flowers uh, quite a while, right? O over 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I actually started my first flower farm, my first business in 2008, about wow. six months before the housing market crash. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's an interesting context to talk about in light of where we are today. <laughs> well, um, Emily, let, let's get a snapshot of, of what Wood Violet is and maybe describe that business. And I know I mentioned that you have two businesses, so we'll get to Stems Cut Flowers too. But get, give us a picture of what's happening in, in uh, Wisconsin and in Milwaukee with Wood Violet? Sure. I, um, I started Wood Violet about five years ago. And at that time, I was growing a lot of flowers. It became pretty apparent to me that um, people around here, there were enough people around here who wanted a, a different option for their wedding flowers, mostly. So I sort of started taking on a lot of weddings. And over the last five years, it's really, really grown like grown to the point where I decided I had to cut back a little bit. So a few years ago, we were probably doing 60 or 70 weddings a summer. This coming summer, I had only really planned to do about 50, maybe 50 weddings. Wow. Um, obviously, it's not going to be 50 weddings now because 10 of them have already been postponed till next year and really? kind of gotten pushed off till next year or later this year if they're allowed to happen. So, so of the 50 that you had booked, uh, 20 have either rescheduled for later in 2020 and tw or and 10 have gone into 2021. Yep. Wow. Yep. Well, I mean, you look, I look at your beautiful website and I see that you have a team and you're, you've kind of got a whole operation for designing flowers for weddings. So this has really matured probably beyond what you envisioned when you first started. Yeah. You know, it really did. I think I had, um, a vision and then it kind of changed along the way and I thought it was going to be bigger. I kind of had intended at one point to go like full service, brick and mortar, deliveries, plants for sale, retail thing. I remember um, that. We talked about that maybe being yeah. your studio was maybe going to be a retail shop. Yeah, yeah. And then I just kind of decided like there, it, it allows you to do some things that I kind of would like to do with my life. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, I'm not a person who enjoys working in a retail setting. Mm -hmm. So we, the last, last summer and then this summer, we pretty much cut it back to just weddings and then a handful of bouquet deliveries here and there. If like, you know, if it happens to work out. I see. Yeah. So sort of like on a case by case basis, if someone asks you for a, yeah. a happy birthday bouquet or something. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one woman who texts me. I don't think I've ever even met her. And she'll just randomly text me and say, do you have time to do some flowers this week? Oh. And I'll be like, oh, no, but I could do it 
in two weeks. And she's like, cool. Like she just wants to send them to her friends. (laughs) Oh, that's so, that's wonderful. I love that. Well, uh, you are obviously as long established in the community and you talked about the fact that the demand was growing and you pivoted to weddings. Um, What do you attribute that to? Is it just that Wisconsin is kind of really a kind of, uh, I don't know, pro-local state anyway, or or Milwaukee at least? Or or is it a combination of that plus the aesthetic that people wanted for their weddings? Yeah, I think it's kind of a combination. Um, I don't necessarily know how much like rural Wisconsin Mm -hmm. still really gets it. It's a lot of people who are farmers or around farmers. but I think Milwaukee has got kind of a cool underground thriving art scene. And there's like kind of a lot of hip people here. Um, and I think that they were looking for some different options at the time. And th- I, and they still are. A lot of my customer base is also people who grew up in the area and then maybe moved to Chicago or New York or California or wherever. And then they come back here to get married. Sure. So they're right. also used to the aesthetic in other parts of the country. Yeah, but they're finding you and realizing that your your mission is to have as much local, uh, much local content in your in your designs anyway, right? Right, right. How much of what you're doing now in your designs are you growing? Um, that's a really good question. I could probably look back at my books <laughs> and figure it out. I would say maybe fifteen percent. Okay. Is what I'm growing. And I would probably say that about another 15 or 20% I buy in from like Kennecott through California or wherever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's me shopping with other local flower growers in the area. Yeah. I think on your wedding page, you said something or on your about page, you, you mentioned that for any given wedding, you might be sourcing from you know, two to 10 other flower farms to get the design elements that you want for that particular palette or whatever. Yeah. That's cool. Um, okay. So I want to just stop and, and kind of put a pin in this because, uh, we had you on the podcast. I had you on the podcast in 2015 because you had made a pivotal decision to move toward weddings and you, prior to that, you had mainly been flower farming and dabbling in weddings. Is that, is that kind of how, how your thinking was going? Like, uh, I can't do both. I want to go deep into one of these, but it'll, the money's in weddings. Yeah. Yeah. It pretty much was that. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's gone on now for five years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, that, where you were growing, um, that land that you were growing, uh, is that still where you're growing now? The previous, um, when you had just stems cut flowers? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's my grandpa's home, basically. Oh, He owns a lot of land and he won't rent more to me. I've got a half an acre. It's <laughs> fine. I'm over it. There was a time when it bothered me. You mean you um, kept asking it to expand and he was, he would keep you at that half acre? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was cause it's like, it's a half acre that nobody else uses. <laughs> right. So he was fine to just give it to me, but then when it came time, we kind of wanted to buy some land from him at one point. He's not selling. It's a whole thing, and it's fine. Yeah. I'm 100% at peace with it. Ultimately, when he dies, the farm will get sold mm. at auction. Mm. Um, and I don't really want it. If I'm going to buy land, that's not the land that I would buy anyway, so it's fine. But it incubated your farm in a beautiful way. 
It absolutely did. It definitely gave me a little leg up because just to find land is daunting, especially on a small scale around here. How a lot of the farmland needs to be sold in like 20 and 30 acre increments. Anything smaller that is kind of residential and usually falls under residential zoning. Okay. So he that farm is in East Troy. Where is that in context to Milwaukee? It's about 45 minutes southwest of okay. Milwaukee. Okay. Okay. Well, you um, are at a new um, a new decision making point, and I, I would invited you to come on the podcast and, and share a little bit about where you're at now in terms of uh, your entre- your floral entrepreneurship, and <laughs> maybe uh, you know what some decisions are that you're making right now, because I think it'll encourage people and uh, maybe help people think about their own you know their own businesses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was maybe about two years ago, I started to get frustrated with the fact that I was having a hard time sourcing enough flowers and enough of the flowers I wanted for all of my weddings that I had lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of started talking to some other smaller growers in the area at that time. Um, and they all kind of ramped up their production and some of them have changed how they do business. Um, but then again, last year I was extremely frustrated with just the fact that like Fairfield flowers had been in the area mm-hmm. and there's another grower in the area that still is, but Fairfield disbanded a couple of years right. ago and nobody really stepped in to fill that need. Right. So, all those, all those farms kind of are just individually doing their own thing now. Right. Yeah. 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 And some of them are doing, and I, I feel like a lot of it is really just in the Madison area where you can get the flowers. So for us, that's, I don't know, an hour to an hour and a half drive, depending on which farmer you want to meet. I see. Yeah. So it's not exactly convenient to Milwaukee. Right. Hmm. So you had this kind of this void that you saw wasn't wasn't supplying your demands. So clearly other florists were probably feeling the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think that for me, my business has really been based on locally grown, um, and I became frustrated and was getting a lot more stuff out of California then. So, but then I also reach, I'll, I'll reach out to six or seven different small growers and spend a day just sourcing flowers for a wedding. Whereas mm-hmm. I know other florists aren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. So if they want locally grown and they can't get it, they're just going to go to Kennecott and order it all from Kennecott. They're not really going to put in all that extra effort to source locally grown. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it really became apparent to me that we need more high-quality, dependable, locally-grown flowers in the area. And here comes Emily. And I decided I should start a bigger and better flower farm. (laughs) You've been kind of chewing on this idea, it sounds like, for a while. This this has been, like, the seed started a couple years ago, and and then you you had to kind of live with it for a while before you decided, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Partly it's the financial situation. Starting a farm on the scale that I wanted to start it is expensive. It's a lot of money. So I've just been kind of saving and keeping my eyes open for some land. Um, I did make the decision though a long time ago that I wasn't going to move my farm to another like half acre temporary Mm. location. So if I do this, it's got to be at least three or four acres preferably more, but I've got big plans. Mm. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So uh, what is the, uh, you know, land availability when you mentioned that 
anything under 20 acres is probably zoned residential. Like, what are your options for shopping around maybe within an hour's radius of of uh, Milwaukee? Yeah, there's some options. Um, and the, a lot of what is available in some of the smaller increments is um, there's like a lot of wooded land, mm. which obviously isn't great. So I've just been kind of keeping my eyes open because I really don't want to buy 35 acres right now. Right. I'd rather have it be close to the city and kind of get a little foothold in and get started before making the decision to buy a lot of land that's maybe an hour outside of the city. Mm. Um, but there's some stuff around. Mm-hmm. It's just going to take a little bit of compromising and figuring mm. out what what I really need. So you're right in the midst of this right now then, Emily, in, in, yeah. in real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, we corresponded a little bit before I invited you on the podcast. I feel like you you're said something to me like, this might be isn't the you know, best time to start a flower farm. But then again, maybe it is the best time to start a flower farm. Maybe you're going to um, have this year to, if you're able to find land, maybe have a better, maybe better price. And, you know, you, you yeah. said you saved, so maybe you can weather this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, on one hand, it's been nice to have all this extra time right now that I should be using to produce weddings. Right. (laughs) But I've got time so I can actually like take my time and slow down and really plan this out and look for some land and maybe I can get a better price. Um, I definitely have got money saved up. I had started to look for land at the end of last year. Um, but then it just, it was winter time and it's hard to go and actually look at land. So I was like, you know what, we're going to put a pin in this until April. Hmm. Well, now it's April and things seem a little uncertain. Um, I feel a little uncomfortable taking out a loan when I'm not sure what kind of income I'm going to have coming in this year. So I think I'm just going to, um, probably wait it out another month and just kind of see what's happening. We're going to start doing some deliveries when my flowers come on at the farm, which should be in two or three weeks. Um, so that should be a decent source of income, but I just kind of want to wait, wait and see. Deliveries. Oh, so like kind of to your existing customer base, you're going to let them know that you have yeah. um, weeklies, like a CSA almost. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do, um, um, I'll do probably a, a pickup outside of the studio. I'll just leave stuff outside of the studio. Otherwise, it'll just run like contact-free deliveries around. I've had a fair amount of people reach out and ask me for flower deliveries, Um I decided, though, I do, that I don't want to buy in product to run deliveries. I'd rather just wait until we have it available locally. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's your most profitable bouquet is from your yeah. cut, everything you cut yourself. Uh, so with the weather in, in um, Wisconsin, uh, is Mother's Day kind of the first big flower, local flower opportunity? Yeah, yeah, it usually is. Um, if you've got some hoop houses and greenhouses, you can hit Easter usually. Um, I don't, I stopped, I had a couple of hoop houses and I just stopped with them. It was too much management for me. Um, but mother's day should be pretty big around here. Wow. That's amazing. So on your half acre, uh, right now, then you, what, what are you talking about cutting like bulbs and perennials? Yeah, I've got a lot of anemones and ranunculus that Mm. we're planting right now that probably won't really come out until the end of May. Um, but I planted a lot of tulips last year because I had weddings lined up for early in the spring. Right. <laughs> They'll be beautiful. So hopefully people will want to buy these for Mother's Day. Um, and then I've got a lot of just random perennials. I've got a lot of peonies. 
Um, so really, realistically, in a normal year, June is super profitable for me. Um, we'll just see. We'll see. Maybe I'm going to learn how to dry peonies this year. I don't know. Wow. That's, I know. It's like you're kind of, you have some really serious long-term plans, but then you have to almost manage a parallel set of plans for short-term, just, just cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. And really what I'm looking at right now is scaling back my, my new flower farm venture a little bit so that it's a little bit more manageable. Um, I still am pretty confident that I'm going to proceed with a plan this year, but maybe it's not the plan I had set up for myself last year. Right. I was, that's what I was thinking about. Like if say you find a beautiful four acre property within, you know, half an hour or so from downtown or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, the reality is you'd have to just, just, hit the ground running to get that thing planted out for 2020, right? Like maybe you'll just do annuals. Yeah. And realistically, my plan was that um, I'm going to work through the farm service agency and they've got a 90 day closing period. So I already was sort of working under the impression that if I closed, if I found something right now and I close on it, it's probably going to be into July. Ah, okay. So I wasn't planning on doing a lot of planting this year, but I was planning on building a handful of big hoop houses and a greenhouse and a barn so that I could do like, just be ready next year Mm -hmm. with all of the product. Just get your infrastructure in there. Yeah. But so now maybe I'm thinking instead of putting up four hoop houses right away, (laughs) maybe I'm only going to put up two. (laughs) So will the new farm, uh, as you envision it, it will keep the brand stems cut flowers? It won't. I'm going to have all new branding. Really? Oh, yeah. Exciting. So it is. It's super exciting. <laughs> so new far- farm branding only, or will you blend Wood Violet and the new farm into one single entity? Nope. I'll keep them separate. I'm going to, I'm going to keep with Wood Violet for at least a couple of more years and uh, just kind of see how it goes. I'm kind of just open to whatever the universe tells me to do there. Either I'll keep running it on a limited basis, or maybe I'll hire somebody else to be like my floral events manager. I'm not really sure yet. Right, but you're kind of in a, in some ways you've you've always you know done growing and designing, and now it's just interesting to see how it ebbs and flows. Where you're you're buying from yourself, you're selling you know you're selling from one business to the other. It's like this vertical operation that is ambitious. And before we started recording, you mentioned to me that <clears throat> it's really hard to do two separate huge businesses without a lot of money and a lot of help, like a big farm and a big wedding business. So it sounds like you're in the middle of trying to make some decisions about what's going to take up most of your attention. Yeah. Yeah. And previously, I think that the weddings really took over um, just from a financial aspect. I don't, I don't think there are going to be people out there who disagree with me on this, (laughs) but I think for the vast majority of people growing flowers on a half an acre and just being a flower grower isn't really a viable financial model for your life. Right. Right. So the weddings kind of took over and it's been fine. I like them. Um, but making enough money just doing weddings is a hard way to live your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And just so. that manage, the, just, just the kind of demand, the ongoing demand of managing clients, consultations, yeah. all of that. Yeah. 
it all it takes up a lot. I spend a lot of time in front of my computer, <laughs> right. which is never what I wanted to do. No, you're a grower. You love getting you know your fingers yeah. in the dirt. So Emily, when you um, get going with this newly branded uh, farm, which I can't wait to find out what that is, um, uh, how do you envision selling? Are you going to try to sell direct to Flores or mass market? Yeah. Or like what are your accounts going to be? Yeah, yeah. My plan right now is to hit... Um, the thing about Milwaukee is that we've got, it's a pretty, it's like a, a large, small town. Mm. Um, so I know, and I'm friends with a lot of the florists and event designers that have a similar mindset to me. Um, so some of them know that this is coming and they are ready, willing, and able to buy flowers from me. <laughs> You're like, bring it on girl. We need these flowers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're so excited. So I'm going to start with just selling to a handful of people who I know. Um, and then Hopefully I can grow into selling to other florists in Milwaukee, but also um, Chicago is not that far away. Mm. Mm -hmm. So long, long, long-term plan is that I am open to selling to wholesale houses, uh, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see what the financials are of all of that. I think there's something really remarkable about a farmer florist becoming, you know, an expert in growing because you're growing... Uh, your palette, your selection of varieties, everything is done through the lens of a florist. And that's makes, you're not going to grow generic things. You're not going to grow commodities that aren't profitable. You're going to grow that l value add that florists want anyway, right? The special. Right, right. And I definitely understand like what blush means. <laughs> <laughs> It's not Sometimes dark orange. <laughs> it's not dark orange. It's not peach. It's not even like baby pink. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's so funny. Sometimes so you get, or like cream. And I'm like, but that's light yellow. And they're like, that's what cream means. I'm like, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> the nuances. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. So um, on the wedding issue, I, this came up on the Slow Flowers um, virtual meetup last week. So I thought, uh, I think I'm going to ask you about this because it, yeah. it's just continually, you know, people are just um, kind of in the throes of change. And um, I'm just curious, how did you handle people who had given you deposits or, uh, you know, had a, you had contractual agreements? Um, has it been tough or... How did you just uh, int intentionally handle all those those brides and, and clients and, and couples? Um, I am just commuting everyone's contract to their next to the, the new date. OK, so I sort of decided um, after a few people came in, like, first of all, I just I feel really bad for these couples yeah. and the position that they're in. So I want to do everything I can to help them. But I also already put a lot of time into these couples. So I don't want to just feel like my time was wasted and have them hire someone else. Absolutely. Right. So you can't get that back. Of, yeah. Yeah. And I talked to two of my staff members and they're all in. I was like, you know, if this all goes down the way it's supposed to go down, we're going to have some really, really busy weeks in August and September. And they were like, that's fine. Let's do it. Okay. So yeah. we're just double, triple, quadruple booking weekends and we just know what's coming and we're going to do it and we're going to get it done we're going to help these people and hopefully not create any more stress in their lives. Wow. And their palette has to be completely, you know, redesigned or their floral selections. They're going to go for like the Dahlia wedding yes. instead of the peony <laughs> wedding, right? <laughs> That's the one thing I'm worried about. I sent out just contract updates for people that had 
listed the new date and then also a note on there saying that like we can stick with the same color palette and the same feeling it's going to be different flowers um or if you want to just totally change up what you're doing to match with the new date that's fine too so regardless we're going to have another meeting maybe six weeks before their wedding and just replan it all so you're not going to ask for an additional consult fee or design fee for that i'm not i'm okay. not okay normally i do um I take my deposit after we have our initial consult and they sign the contract. And then we always have a wrap up meeting anyways. Usually it's only 20 minutes. Mm, so mm -hmm. it's going to be a little bit longer, mm -hmm. um, but that's already kind of built into my process. So it's not that much more work for me to do it this way. I guess the other, yeah. And I think that that, that shows a lot of talks a lot about your, your kind of your commitment to making this successful for your clients even though obviously it, it is more time and work yeah. for you. Um, one thing I've heard from people that who were kind of freaking out about this whole pandemic and their, their wedding bookings is that they, they counted on that final payment, like in their projections for the year, those final payments were going to come in, in, you know, April, May, and June and cover some of the, you know, cover the rent or whatever. And now, and now that's getting pushed out to September as well. So that, that's, is that sort of, I mean, and no one can ask for that money up front. You've got to wait till the event. Right, right. And I sort of, um, when this all first, like a few weeks ago, I was sort of looking at it like, well, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I'm going to get my money. It's just going to be a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. like a couple months later. Mm -hmm. But now I'm starting to look at it like, well, some of these people have pushed themselves into next year. So now I'm not getting that money this year. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Which is frustrating, but... I don't know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe I was supposed to slow down and plan this flower farm and do it right and just get it up off the ground. Well, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. And I was just thinking like, okay, also all those tulips and perennials and peonies that you're going to cut this spring, you can, you still have an outlet for selling them versus having them just, you know, get thrown in the compost pile because yeah. you also have had time, a little bit of time because of your climate to get that figured out before they right. bloom. Right. Yeah. Uh, peonies are a hard sell around here just for retail bouquets because everyone has them in their yards. I keep hearing that. It's so funny. It's like, uh, you yeah. know, when other, it's sort of like that in the Pacific Northwest, actually, Emily, there's just such beautiful peonies that people don't realize how special they are. And right. Uh, right. I'm always surprised when they go unsold at like the Seattle growers market. And, and, you know, they have lots of weddings that eat up a lot of peonies, but it just still mm -hmm. surprises me that there's that, mm, yeah. maybe just that pressure on the price. Yeah. And that's, and that's what it is. They're like, oh, even like when I used to sell them at the farmer's market, I would sell them for $3 a stem and we would sell maybe 50 of them in a weekend because uh -huh. people are like, oh, I have those in my yard. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of the same with tulips, even to a certain degree, tulips can be kind of a hard sell. Um, but I, think, I only grew doubles this year. Yeah. And most people don't plant those in their yard. Yeah. You went for the jazzy ones. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't it? So, it's so interesting when I was in Utah uh, last September and meeting with a lot of the flower farmers there and they were talking about the prices they were getting for what single stems of dahlias. It was crazy. It was like, uh -huh. you know, four or five dollars a stem or so. I can't remember exactly, but the point that I walked that, that that I walked away from that conversation was they're so new in flower farming in Utah that the florists are just desperate for local product. Yeah. And so 
there's an opportunity to get a better price. And that may change down the road, but yeah, uh, it's yeah. also, it's a super regional, these issues, but. Yeah. And I see a lot of that like on Facebook and some of these like flower farming and floral design groups when people will be like, oh, well, that's how much this should cost if you do your blah, blah markup. And I'm like, right. But <laughs> a bunch of eucalyptus in California and a bunch of eucalyptus in Wisconsin have like completely different prices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, do you grow eucalyptus as a, uh, as a, uh, annual or? I don't, I yeah. haven't for a few years. It just takes so long. Yeah. You're getting like six inch stems by December, yeah. you know, November or something. And then you just have to weed it all summer long. And I just am kind of over it. The only thing I'm willing to weed for that long anymore is Lysianthus. Mm. Mm-hmm. Lysianthus is an interesting one because no one can grow it in their garden. And they right. don't really know what it is. So I, I can see why you're putting energy into that. Yeah. And especially this year, I actually just turned around and bought some more flats. They're all showing up this week. Um, but if all of these weddings do actually happen in August and September, I'm going to want all the Lysianthus. That's exciting. Well, your aesthetic is so beautiful. And you talked about being, you know, kind of garden inspired. But, um, you know, the name Wood Violet is so associated with your state flower, right? So I'm Yeah, 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 the state do, flower. Do people think that you, I mean, do they come to you wanting a wildflower look? Or uh, look, how do you describe your aesthetic? Um, I just sort of describe it as sort of a natural garden style. Um, I think for the most part now with Instagram being what it is, people already kind of know what I have to offer before they reach out to me, mm, mm -hmm. which is nice. Yeah. I would say also it's so driven by seasonality. So you, you, you get that soft, loose look, but maybe the flowers just change, you know, every month. Um, but you're yeah. able to achieve that look. Uh, what, May through October, probably, right? Yeah, roughly May through October. And uh, I'm always a little bit surprised that people have, I mean, I'm, I guess I shouldn't be surprised anymore. People always have different ideas of like what loose and natural means. <laughs> right. <laughs> so some of these bouquets wind up pretty round and traditional looking, because I think that's kind of where we are in the Midwest. Is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but some of them are get pretty wild, so... I love it. I love it all. I love the, the variety of people and the variety of things that they like. I love that you're kind of acknowledging that you still, you're not abandoning design. That's still a huge part of your love for, for this profession. It's just that maybe the parts that are taking you away from the, the land, like the computer work and the consoles, that's what you're trying to kind of phase, phase out or maybe have take up less of your time. Yeah. Yeah. And realistically, if I find the right fit, I will hire someone yeah. to take over that part for me in the future. Not right now. I still feel like a lot of it is so much of just me. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard and not like I'm being a control freak, just like, I don't know how to like take part of my brain and give it to somebody else. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, that's a job description. We're going to yeah. have to see how that evolves. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I am so excited to hear what ends up happening. And it sounds like you'll let me know later on this summer. So um, oh, I will let you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, of course, the branding and all of that will be fascinating to see. Um, Stems Cut Flowers has been such a big part of your life for so long. That will be a little bit of a, uh, a goodbye, a little sad goodbye, but maybe as you pivot to a, a brighter future as a full-time farmer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I know my accountant was like, I don't think you need to change the name. I'm like, I do. 
Mm. I just, I kind of feel like I want a fresh start Mm -hmm. just in so many ways. I totally get that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. Okay. Well, this has been such a great conversation. And before we go, I just have to say, we talked about all the things we were going to touch on. Did I miss anything? <laughs> Did I forget oh to gosh. ask you? I don't even know. I think, I think we talked about more than I thought we would. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. And I, yeah, I kind of drilled down on those weddings because the wedding questions, because they've been coming up and I am not equipped to answer them. I know who to ask. And so that's why I thought I'd put you on the spot about that. But yeah, yeah. No, I think that people are all handling it in different ways. I think for me, the easiest thing is just to keep my clients and work really hard for four or five weekends later in the year. Yeah. And it's all about communication anyway. Right. And yeah, you're already, you're already set up to, to give people the information they need and not leave them hanging. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's a good, like if this would have happened to me three or four years ago, I think I maybe would have had a lot more, a lot more stress about it. But I feel like I'm kind of set up, like I kind of know how the whole process works already. So it's not that big of a deal. Hey, you already survived the economic downturn in 2008. So it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm so excited to share our conversation with the Slow Flowers podcast world and um, including um, maybe getting some new photos uh, that you can share from maybe 2019 weddings or or what you're growing. I would love that. Sounds good. Thanks, Deborah. Okay, thanks a lot. so much for joining me today as we heard from both a flower farmer and a florist in our Slow Flowers community. This past week, I was able to get out to my garden to start a bunch of flower seeds, some directly sowed and some in flats in the greenhouse. Our nighttime temperatures here in Seattle are in the mid 40s right now, so I'm pretty confident that we're past our last frost date, but you never know. We have members who were hit with snow this past week, so nothing's certain. Our Slow Flowers member virtual meetups continue to have great attendance and participation and feel incredibly rewarding. After four consecutive weeks of gathering together through Zoom, I'm even feeling more confident about that technology. I owe a huge thanks to Karen Thornton of Avenue 22 Events, Nisha Blancas of Fetching Social Media, and Lisa Wad of Pot and Box for their incredible talents to help make the meetups smoothly run. <laughs> a success, in fact. They're part of the Slow Flowers team that makes it all so joyful for me and keeps me sane. Last Friday on April 17th, Teresa Sabankaya of Bonnie Dune Garden Company joined us as a special guest. She shared about how she's designing and selling flowers during the coronavirus era. We also had a surprise special guest, and you'll have to watch the Zoom replay video of that virtual meeting to see who joined us. I've shared the link to the video in today's show notes. Please join the next Slow Flowers member virtual meetup on Friday, April 24th, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. I can't wait to see you there. Our very special guest will be Julie Toby, who is a life coach for creatives. I met Julie at Holly Chapel's Flower Stock last fall, and I was so impressed with how Julie views that elusive work-life balance helping creative professionals lean in to the fulfilling careers and lives they actually want to have. The link to join on April 24th is in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. You can also find it in our Instagram profile, and we'll be sharing the link on our Slow Flowers Facebook page and in the Slow Flowers community on Facebook. 
As I've mentioned earlier, plans for the fourth annual Slow Flower Summit scheduled for June 28th to 30th are still in place. But coming soon on May 15th, we will make a definitive decision whether to move forward with those original conference dates or reschedule for later in the year. I want to make sure you have at least 45 days notice to adjust your plans if we have to postpone. And just in case, mark October 26th and 27th as the backup dates for gathering together at our beautiful venue, Filoli Historic Home and Garden in Woodside, California. As I said last week, I'm as eager as you are to experience a fabulous conference that's presented in a safe environment. I hope this plan assures you and assists you in managing your own schedule moving forward into 2020. You can contact us anytime with questions, and I've added links to my email and that of our event managers, Karen Thornton, in today's show notes. You can also follow the Filoli visit page and the Slow Flowers Summit page for additional updates. One more thing. This past week's Summit newsletter features wonderful updates from all of our speakers who shared what they're doing and how they're managing the COVID-19 coronavirus shutdown. I'd love for you to read it too, and you can find the link in today's show notes. Our final sponsor, thanks today, goes to The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important this year than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 599,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Music